Hi Rachel, what are you doing? I'm just putting together the finishing touches to episode 28 of my Lessons from Lost podcast. 28, that is fantastic. And who are you talking to this time? A lovely lady called Liz Almond. And what's her story? Well, she's had multiple losses, all sorts of different losses, and how she uses holistic therapies to help her. Sounds really interesting, doesn't it? Does the porcupine feature this week? No. Right, let's go. Hello and welcome to the Lessons from Loss podcast in which we share our experiences of loss and more importantly what we learn from them which now positively guides our lives today. I'm your host Rachel Smith and each episode I chat with a different guest about their experience and lessons learned. I'd like to acknowledge the courage and vulnerability of all my guests in sharing their very personal stories and also the impact that hearing these stories has on you for listening. Please take care as you listen and reach out for support if you need to. Today, I'm super happy to be chatting with Liz Ormond of Insightful Minds and author of Are You Worth It? A Spiritual Guide to Managing Your Money Mindset. Liz is a coach specialising in bereavement, menopause and business and, of course, finance issues and so much more. Liz has had multiple experiences of loss including bereavement, health, relationship, miscarriages, redundancy, and now uses those experiences alongside her multiple therapeutic skills to help people heal their emotional pain and find balance in their lives. Welcome, Liz. Hi, nice to see you again, Rachel. Yeah, likewise. Thank you for being a guest today. Gosh, so you have experienced a huge range of different sorts of of losses and any one of those we could dig and delve sort of deeper into as an episode on its own and life is so often full of of all these different losses and I think maybe a good place to start is to look at that cumulative impact of of multiple losses and especially when they come in in perhaps a relatively short space of time as well so are you happy to sort of start with sharing your sharing your experience of that Liz? Yes I mean my first sort of loss was really you know losing my grandmother um in 1995 I think that was and actually that was massive I took a week off work and I was absolutely devastated because she's my only grandparent and had ever known the other the other grandparents, so that was a really big loss. But but and that if you haven't ever dealt with loss, it stays within you. That's what you need to remember. Okay, but I didn't I dealt with that. Okay, but it was you know it was a bit massive blow to the family. But I didn't really have any losses on then until um, you know probably about when was it? it would have been t- uh, twenty twenty fourteen. Um, it was like twenty eleven. Sorry when I went through a period of time of lots of losses in a very short period of time. And I know that a lot of people are going through that now, I keep meeting people, I met somebody last, just last night, experienced that. And the losses that I experienced was that I had, first of all, um, I had a miscarriage. And you know, I hadn't really been trying to have a child, I'd actually not really wanted to have a child, I wasn't really sure. I suddenly was pregnant and going, Ugh! you know, as horrified that I was. I was, I was happily married, it was a bit weird really. Um, 
you got accustomed to being okay about you know being pregnant and having a baby and whatever and then you know lost the baby at, th- at 30 minutes oh, after I told everybody um on it so it was it, yeah so it's really really challenging had to have the the dnc to get you know sort of rid of it or something in a nice possible way so it it was very tough and then not knowing how to articulate that to people at work i got my boss actually tell everybody and just say don't mention it to me <laughs> we'll just move on um and just pretend it didn't happen um because i was just embarrassed that i told everybody and then it it was not there anymore um but then we went within the next few months of that we went through a redundancy situation at work where actually i took voluntary redundancy it was my choice i was i could have had a nice safe job to go into at the college that I was very well loved but I was you know I've been doing my coaching training and neurolinguistic programming and hypnotherapy and motion training etc and just knew that I wouldn't be happy at the at the college and I wanted to fly the nest so I took that voluntary redundancy but again I hadn't really appreciated the loss of a job yeah. and the loss of all the all the um uh, the teams that you're in, I was in, I was a, a loss of a lead, being a leader. My gosh, I've not it's even a loss it, of identity, isn't it? For me, loss of identity. Because when you, I was stepping up into having a business, which is incredibly lonely. <laughs> you don't know anybody, and until you actually get to know what people in network, you realise everybody's the same. Uh, so that's why I actually you know, started my business and and ended up going into depression because I I had I'd had the miscarriage, had the redundancy. And because I was 40, that was, I think it was the, the February, so the June, I was 40 that same year, that was the last time I could have IVF on the um, NHS. So it was rushed, it literally went through on my birthday, I think. So I then had two, two um, lots of IVF at a completely wrong time emotionally for me to be having IVF, to be perfectly honest. And I probably should have said, do we not think we should wait for this? But I didn't know to say that at that time. I wasn't the therapist I am now to, to say that. Um, so I had that um, challenge of being uh, involved in, you know, having having IVF. It's very, you know, you have the counselling, all that sort of mark. You have, you know, it's very very intense. And I lost both those pregnancies as well. My partner, my husband, was not coping very well through that, and he, I was still learning therapies and doing therapies on myself. So actually, I was in a better state than than he was, um, and trying to keep him on the state. And I really, I didn't redo therapy on him; he didn't want it. So. It was it was a very very challenging time emotionally a very uh, massive upheaval and um, and by the end of uh, 2011 I was in a terrible state as was my husband and I said my husband you know you need to step up financially because the redundancy money had gone by point two because actually the 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 grief was having a massive impact on me being able to earn money from what I was yeah. doing and, and because I just couldn't perform what I was doing I wasn't attracting working because I wasn't in the right emotional state to do, to do so um, and I did try and get non-therapeutic work at that time and just even that I couldn't didn't seem to be able to get that, uh, that work as well so at the start of 2012 my husband and I went and we'll go away on holiday and I said there's money in your business and he said yes there's money in my business I'll go, I'll go. Um, which was a lie actually because that's actually when our, our debt started and we had a terrible holiday in uh, Egypt, my husband um, got pneumonia, and I now realise that that was actually his grief coming out um, as, as part of it, uh, most definitely. And when we came back, he almost he almost died from it. He was really, really ill ill with it. In a week of him getting better, my mum and dad were involved in a serious car crash, and my uh, dad, my uncle, finally, but my mum had a dislocated neck, and she died after ten days. Then my cat had to be put down. 
my cat to be put down the same week uh, as well. So you know, she was you know my beautiful samurai. Uh, she was my world because that's my fur baby, I suppose. So I lost a pet as well at very key time. It massive that grief massive affected me, but um, I wasn't as close to my mum as my other um, sisters were. And my two sisters went mentally high, and actually one of them was was sectioned uh, as well. And it was really such a challenging, challenging time. Then my uh, sister-in-law died as well. She was the care of my mentally ill um, brother-in-law. Um, and so my, my husband was trying to deal with himself, but then having to divert to try and sort out his brother uh, as well. And meanwhile, our debt was racking up. It was a terrible time. I wasn't getting business in. I was getting some, but just not enough. I didn't really know what I was doing, I think. It's part, part of it. And... It just got worse and worse, and eventually um, the debt racked up to a very high amount, and my husband then left me with all that debt as well. And this is all within a three-year period. That would have been the time when I met you, Rachel, actually, um, on it. It was just one thing after another, after another, after another. And so part of it was me not recognising what loss was and the multiple types of different loss. Because actually when I wrote, I've I've got on my website um, uh, the Good Grief Recovery Guide and I was just writing down... Great guide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was looking at the different types of losses and and thinking, yeah, I'll just read some of them here because I've got them in front of me. No, loss of a parent, sibling, child, grandchild, including the miscarriage or stillborn. Loss of a beloved pet or animal. Loss of not being able to have children, including fertility issues. Um, loss of not being able to say goodbye due to sudden death, not being allowed, to, or not being able to say goodbye. Yeah, which of course has very been very relevant in the last couple yeah, of years. Loss, loss of a job, redundancy, furloughed, uh, loss of loss due to separation, divorce, loss of not having grandchildren, loss of income insecurity, loss of ability, losing a limb or a sense, like going blind, for example. Loss of identity due to ill health, loss of freedom. Um, so things like COVID nineteen is part of that. You know, yeah. Lockdown, um, uh, prison, secure ward of a mental health hospital, for example. Loss of your home, homelessness. That could be to do with um, house fire or separation, divorce. Loss of childhood um, due to a challenging upbringing. You didn't feel you really had a childhood. Um, loss of no longer having your kids at home, empty nest syndrome, and, and there's more. Mm, yeah, and absolutely. actually, when I look at that. And go through it. I go, I've had a lot of those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> still here. And actually, the bit that I didn't haven't told you was actually in um, 2014. I did did contemplate taking my life because the emotional stuff was actually so much to, to bear. I just couldn't carry on. Yeah. It was. I really considered should I just check out? Um, despite having the tools that I have as a therapist, I was just like, I'm just not sure what to do. And and I remember going walking through the churchyard at the back of my house here, and I made a decision, made a decision to um, to live, but to actually to share my knowledge about loss, about grief, about um, how to get over ill health, and to understand the whole monetary thing that was going on. Cause it was also about my self worth and my value, it was all all part part and parcel of it. And to, to share the tools that I use, that I was using, but also have learned since, to get myself back on the straight and narrow again. And I still, I will still say I'm still evolving on that journey. I'm nowhere near you know, how bad I was. I mean, I was watching some videos of myself 
uh, the other day, which would have been around probably about 2015, and thought, oh, Liz, oh, you were in a bad way, weren't you? We're always learning and evolving and, yeah. and re-emerging. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and obviously, you know, that's what other people would be would have been seeing within me as well. Mm. Um, and going, well, gosh, I want to work with her. She doesn't look terribly well. Because I wasn't well, mentally well at that at that time. But all the techniques I was using was the right thing for those that client. It's just, you now I said, I tried to actually not do therapy. And I tried to actually get other jobs. And it just, universe just was not letting me do it. Um, and I had five years of um, very, very tough times around money to learn some financial lessons uh, in life as well. Yeah. Which is how the book, you know, Are You Worth It? The Virtual Guide to Manage Your Money Mindset came about, was, you know, sharing some of the knowledge. There isn't that, there was a bit about grief in the book, but it's not, you know, focused around grief in particular. It was more probably about three, three years ago or something that the grief thing sort of came to a head and me realising because over a period of time, various things happen and you go, oh, okay, I understand why that sort of happened and why maybe I didn't understand it. And I'd, I would say as a, an academic, I'm, you know, I've I previously a te- um, teaching learning specialist. I was head of teaching learning at Northwest Kent College uh, before I came in. That was what the redundancy was at the start of when we were chatting. Yeah, I, I was very um, a logical person, very serious uh, didn't really um, probably process emotions well. Um, from a, a neurolinguistic programming perspective, mm. I was what they'd call it an AD, very, you know, sort of, um, yeah, serious, not not emotive. But actually, the real me was actually very emotional. And and over time, all sort of empath sort of um, behaviours come out as, as that. And that's why now understand how to teach other people how to do that i work a lot with people who are neurodiverse they might have whether it's dyslexia dyspraxia adhd doesn't matter it's usually trauma that is actually and often part of it is the bereavement i will usually ask somebody have you lost somebody have you lost you know pets that you, that you can't move on often i'll see on um facebook for example people celebrating the death of somebody and i was like Mm-mm. That's, you don't really want to be doing that because actually your mind should be in the present, should be in here and now. And actually, I can celebrate my mum every single day. You know, I don't go and meet my mum every day. Funny, I was thinking about it today because of doing this. You know, do I miss my mum? I don't know because I just talk to my mum because spiritually I just believe that my mum's still there and I can just access her. So I don't really um, think about, um, you know, she's got to be here physically with me today. I know my mum would be incredibly proud of me and uh, know that my mum was with me when I was you know sorting my dad out through lockdown because <laughs> I lived with my dad for 18 months lockdown was one of the toughest things I've ever done is to live with a depressed father um who turned out to be autistic and yeah. that made a massive difference to me being able to understand him more but I know spiritually my mum was there and I was also moving on some of my mum's energy with her permission to move him on because that's what he needed so he could be independent again um, what I'm seeing, you know, very much so with um, the, the care work that I'm doing at the moment, I'm doing that sort of 50% of my time at the moment, is I keep meeting people who are recently bereaved, who are elderly, and they just go completely downhill. And I think that's what leads them into the sort of the dementia and, and uh, Alzheimer's, because they're not given any immediate help. You know, and even when you are, are encouraged to go, will you please talk to your doctor for some bereavement counselling? Um, 
they're then not they're, they're both put on a list for another like six 12 months no they need something instantly this is just like popping a pill but they're on the amount of medication these people are on and it's just it's, it's false economy really because there's so many yes. therapies that can really support somebody to feel better that i know you do some that not that i do with them that that you know, can it's it's working a different way but it's working on your mindset and your energy you know if you my energy was depleted because of the the losses but actually energy is just you know emotion if you think about emotions energy emotion emotion my emotions were stuck with within me i wasn't using anything to actually shift them out of out of me so there's you know any negative emotion is toxic to the body and eventually if you don't deal with that it becomes illness yeah i mean that's a, a strong case for developing throughout our lives a strong emotional hygiene practice absolutely absolutely so that each time a, a loss come another loss comes along yeah we've dealt or we you know we've we've cleared a lot of the previous energy around that's around and that's, that's exactly that's exactly that you're actually you've not you're not hanging on to stuff from from the past because also we get triggered by things around us so you know with photos of people if the, if the photos don't give you joy they give you a memory of oh the person's gone now i'm not saying it isn't sad of course it is you've got to go through that that process but would that person want you to be unhappy mm. no they would not want you to be wallowing, which is why a lot of people are saying, make it a celebration of my life. But at the end, I want you to wear bright colours. I don't want you to wallow. You know, but often people feel they should, you know, um, mourn for a period of time or be sad for a period of time, or it's the right thing to do to to be celebrated. It was actually, it's not necessarily the right thing emotionally for you to do. And that's the, you know, it might sound a bit cold me saying that, but it's 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 not that that person wasn't special absolutely that person was special but actually for you your own health in in this world as you are it's important to be looking after yourself and, and it's dealing with that emotion as it happens not boxing it up and not dealing with it because it will then completely trip you yes. up later yeah i suppose it's about finding ways to to celebrate and acknowledge absolutely. the person or the thing or the animal that you've that you've lost but in a way that serves you positively as opposed to to you know draining you yeah i mean even if it is you know maybe it is raising money by doing a charity event in in aid of your you know the um charity support your parent or or whatever absolutely that's fine but you need to be careful of the the wave of emotion that comes up i mean i, I bumped into my neighbor last night and um I think that's interesting. She's out with her husband. There's no dog. I wonder if the dog's gone. And um, as she went, oh, I was like, he's not here, is he? And, you know, and apparently, yeah, the dog had died. And I said, oh no, you're not good. You've just lost two other people as well, haven't you? You know, in a very short period of time, she lost two. I think she lost a parent, and I can't remember who the other person was, and the, and her dog. And her dog was actually she'd actually often people get a dog when their kids are. are you know leaving the house for example as in an empty nesting so the dog was the replacement baby <laughs> and now that dog is gone so it was such a a, a big loss as she teared up and kept it's fine it's fine yeah it was like i'll give you some break it's fine you know 
but she was finding it you know, very challenging. And the thing is, if you're not using techniques to actually get rid of that, that sort of overwhelm, it will make you feel not so good. You know, and the, the key thing is, is to look at techniques that you, you're using, whether that is meditation, whether it is about um, being, um, being out in nature. You know, a lot of it is about not trying to do this by yourself as well the, the 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 norm thing is to disconnect from other people and unfortunately what happens is when somebody dies let's say it's not the pet it's a, a person somebody dies and people initiate <gasps> send a card visit phone be in touch sometimes other family members are protected by other people around so let's say it's you know you're trying to protect mum because mum's lost her husband yeah whatever so people then stop stop calling or stop coming round because they think, well, I don't want to intrude. I want, I'm sure. And and what happens is that person who's actually lost the person really would like that connection, but actually doesn't get that connection because they might have been warned off by you know, family, friends, neighbours, such a not to come close. And what happens is that then actually that person who who lost somebody finds it very difficult to reconnect. They're, well, I've not seen them for ages. Well, they've not cared about me, have they? They've not been in touch with me. I mean, through lockdown, my um, I was living with my father at the time, and his neighbour lost, who's in her eighties, uh, lost her husband, and we didn't know for six weeks that he died. Oh, but, I mean, my dad's not particularly close to them, but they're but they're, it's, he's got a big detached house. So actually, although it is only two minutes walk next door. We're so completely detached because of through lockdown. We weren't talking to people. We didn't see people. It was only only happened to this lady as I walked. I think I went um, I don't know, into the car or something. Then she came out. I said, "Oh, how's your husband?" Because it was on Christmas Eve. He'd gone into hospital because an ambulance had been yeah, called. Yeah. And she said, "Oh no, uh, he died." And that was the first time she'd been out of a house for six weeks. Unfortunately, that same that same lady, and this is only Christmas or last. That same lady has just, in the last few few months, lost her, her son, who was her carer, who'd, who'd come every week to do her shopping. She has no internet. Has, you know, thankfully, the vicar lives across the road, so actually they are making sure she's okay, and I'm checking in on her when I go to my dad's. But she's very private. She doesn't want, you know, she's, she's disconnecting. Now, she's, you know, already had loss, and actually I don't think she'll be here much longer. I think she'll give up. No, sadly, because she hasn't got. I, I know I live next door to Raceman. She hasn't got friends to come to visit. She had a son who's <laughs> no longer here. That's something needs to be done to make sure that actually people aren't left like that. That's not not fair. Yeah, yeah. To leave them like that. I mean, and there's I think, been some research into loneliness, hasn't there? That, yeah. that loneliness is is a bigger killer as you know some cancers and. And what what I see with the care role that I'm doing is actually I don't understand why holistic therapies isn't as, alongside it, um, because the person could be getting, you know, whether it be reflexology or the balance piece that I do or Reiki or you know, all different things that could be working with that person and supporting them. Um, in fact, I was with a lady yesterday, and she'd just come out of a care home yesterday. I was the first time she'd had had a carer couldn't get in, which is a bit worrying. But her son lived in the house; had to phone in to get to get in. Um, and she, 
She said, oh, dear, I'm, I'm, I'm OK. I just need to, you know, if you just watch me going up the stairs. And then she was in, it was to get her independence back. She said, oh, no, I'll, I'll go to the toilet by myself. That's fine. I said, stand out here. Just need help putting my knife to you on. That's OK. You know, do it. But she said, do you not have to do much? I go, is, is it worth you being here? And I said, well, I don't know who's paying for it, whether you're paying for it or whether, you know, the council's paying for it. Or I don't know who's paying for it. I said, but... Sometimes just the fact I can talk to you, you ask me about what to do with your lifeline, she's asleep with it. Just the, sometimes the conversation is what we do with some people. It's not actually all the activities that is on our list that we have to do. We just say client didn't need it, client didn't want it um, on there. It's just being here with you. And she said, yes, that is important, isn't it? Yes, and she was agreeing that actually that actually made the difference that she had somebody to reassure her about what she did coming back um, in, which is you know, a pleasure to, to support her and help her. And she was back. Well, but I could see from the house lots of clutter, lots of issues. She's lived with her some 15 years at home, and you could you could see different issues around the house that you know with with somebody just working with them in a different way, yes. they'd get back on the yeah. Um, yeah. the straight and narrow again about how they were. If they taught emotional hygiene in schools, well, they're starting to actually. Um, in fact, oh, the, okay. the balance procedure that um, I'm going to t- tell you a little bit about. That is is within schools in some places. Jenny Cox, who who created it, unfortunately she died this year. Um, she had taken it into several schools, and some some of the other trainers have. I haven't done that yet. Um, and it's I'm actually um, the meeting I have after after this is with um, the CEO of a big charity, and I'm looking at how I can work with the the parents to work with the children who are sick, because they're spending absolute fortune on drugs, and actually emotional hygiene is actually the key thing to be working with but I want to train the parents and the caregivers to work with the and support the children to, to get better because sometimes the stress from the, from the adults yeah and um, it makes things worse um as well and they get angry and, and whatever so giving them a tool to be able to to use um as part of it and chances are that those you know the parents and the caregivers aren't aware of the need for emotional hygiene either so it's a it makes then that a, a double a, a two-pronged approach yeah, there is there is mindfulness going into some schools. It is now written into the school curriculum as well. At what, at what level it's going into, I don't know, but I know it is written in school curriculum now. And um, I know certainly one of my clients um, has gone in and done a sound healing of some sort um, within a school. I know she initially she had to volunteer to get it into the school. I think she has now paid um, to do it. Um, which is fantastic fantastic. that's getting in there and I was certainly approached by a school to work um, with I think there was 180 kids they wanted in one room me doing it and I was like okay so but they didn't they weren't clear about what their budget was you know in the end I was like going I I don't understand how um, this is going to be worth me going there it's also about people understanding what it takes to be a mindfulness teacher you know, the, 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 we've invested a lot ourselves, and it's like, yeah, I think there was an expectation I come down £50 pounds, um, to come and do it, which, um, and sadly, that, you know, as much as I love to educate, you know, that wouldn't cover my petrol. <laughs> Never mind my, my professional development and, and things as part of it. Um, but I'm hoping that in time, schools will put a better budget alongside it, because otherwise, they've got kids who are. You know, having having difficulties which which they don't need to have. We've probably both experienced, haven't we? That actually, when you're in that, when your emotions are running high, or or you've disconnected from them, either way, then actually you 
you have less capacity for learning and developing you know which of course is is really crucial for for kids absolutely it makes a massive dif- difference and i you know as a previous teaching learning specialist you know, i'm all about making sure that that is and i you know as soon as i learned um nlp and meditation i took that straight into the classroom my my students loved it. I had, I had you know 15 16 year olds you know playing music as they, we had an anchor song to make them feel happy we used to meditate the, at the end of the class and they used to love coming coming to class and in my uh, uh, teach training classes we used to meditate at the start and visualize how they wanted it to be and I had brilliant brilliant results by by doing so so it definitely works yes and it shouldn't be secret school about how to get it in there. It should just be the norm that we're doing. And I'm hopeful that um, over time that becomes more of the norm. Um, so we don't have this cumulative thing and going into old age where there's still this problem of lo- loneliness. Um, because it's been very mentally taxing for, for people. Should I tell you a little bit more about the balance procedure as I've sort of thrown it into the, into the uh, conversation? So basically it is an energy technique that was uh, developed by Jenny and Alan Cox of, of the Balance Procedure. Uh, it's been around about 14 years. It has been accredited by NICE to use with um, children on mental, emotional and social well-being. Um, and how it works is it's what's called multidimensional. Okay? The reason why it's called multidimensional is it's bringing together things which we might have learnt in lots of different therapies all together. And... So it's bringing together, whether it be our language that we're using, it brings together our breath work, it brings together the zodiac, brings together numerology, brings together, um, which I think are different things, um, colour therapy, the chakras, brings it all together in one set of cards that look like a, you know, a set of business cards that you hold um, to use. So it's very accessible. So basically on the cards it has symbols which are based from sacred geometry and they work on your subconscious and they also have affirmations on the card as well. So what somebody does is they actually have are aligned to the energy. So it's, and it's fun for kids and it's fun for adults too. And you, but if somebody's disabled, they can still do it. So the aim is, is that you actually align each of the cards. So the cards, remember this is audio, don't I? So, so it bases on the art of transformation, the art of co-creation, the art of clarity, the art of infinite unity, the art of independence, the art of love, the art of communication, the art of visualization, and the art of knowing. So the, those are all the areas that are looked at. But for example, if we picked a person who's finding it difficult to communicate their feelings, okay, what would happen is they would use the art of communication card and they'd use it on their body to see whether their body goes forwards. So let's say they're standing up. They would put the card on their heart because their heart is actually 5,000 times more powerful than their head. We're, you know, academically, we believe our mind is everything. It's not it's actually your heart. It's more important. You put the card onto your heart and see whether your body goes forwards, backwards, to the right, to the left. It might uh, circle or it might uh, be still. But it all means something. So if, if, for example, so if the issue is that you're not, you want to communicate something to somebody and you can't do it, you can't articulate something, you might find the card goes to the, to the left. 
So that means you're anxious about doing that. Or it might go to the past, and that's something the past you've not let go of that means you can't do it. It might go <coughs> go backwards, that's you holding yourself back on doing something. It might be that you're stuck, so you're not moving, or, or as I say, you might circle your circle in life, not getting moving forward about things you want to communicate about. What's really useful about the balance seater is, it is it's portable. It is just a set of cards. Once you've been aligned to it, and anybody can do it, say so children can have it, it's be used on babies, it's absolutely safe. And it can just be kept. When I, as a carer, I keep it in my top pocket. And after every client I go to see, I get the cards out, and I put the cards onto my heart, and I breathe in and out the cards, and let go of the energy of what I've been within. Because when I'm in somebody's house where somebody's sick, and not well, it's not necessarily positive energy that I'm feeling within that because that person has had negative thoughts. It might be to do with bereavement, might be to do with other things, but generally there is a bereavement. And my my um, experience is usually there is has been a, a bereavement that's gone on several bereavements uh, that's causing an issue. So what happens is you want to um, use the cards on a regular basis when you feel a negative energy. Now, obviously, if I'm busy caring, I can't do that when I'm in the house with them, and it's not for me to be working on them, because uh, I'm not paid to do so e either. Um, so, But for my own emotional well-being, if I've felt anxious in there, or I have felt, oh, God, I feel a bit sick here, and this, you know, whatever, I let that go when I leave the house. So it's just a, a natural thing that a carer can have, because a carer... Most carers are so busy, they don't have time to do it, to go for an hour-long therapy, you know, it's or, or whatever. This way, it's just a very quick, I can do it. Yes, there is a, you know, there's an hour alignment that you do with me, and there's a four-hour training, so you really understand it. But you can just buy the book and the cards, do the whole DIY thing, it's a lot cheaper. But in in to get the best results, I would say the person should do the training. But if, if a budget, if somebody's budget is low... And they, but they really need something more than than just having the book and the cards, or at least start them on the process until they can actually do it. The premise is, is that with the balance seater is we create our own reality. So if we don't like what we're seeing in in our life at that time, we have to ask ourselves, what's that about? What are we thinking? What are we feeling? And we use the cards, just breathing in out on the, you know, breathing in through the nose, positivity out the mouth, negativity, just letting go of whatever energy and the build up that we actually have. But we can also use it on limiting beliefs as well. So we might, you know, when I was with my dad, I was always challenging him about, you know, why he wouldn't do things. And often we have limiting beliefs of, you know, we don't, why we don't think, well, well, they've never rung me, so I'm not going to ring them. You know, you know, if, if, you know it, was, it was interesting, actually. Um, in fact, I am going to ring him. But the last hot spell we had, he said, well, of course, they say that elderly people should be, you know, people should be checking up on them and making sure they're okay. Nobody checked up on me. You know, yeah, perhaps absolutely fine. What's the, what's the problem? We don't need that. You know, but they had a belief there that that's what people should do. You know, it's, it's purely about noticing what you're saying to yourself. So if somebody is bereaved, it would be about the fact that, you know, that wave of emotion that comes up. Um, that's just brilliant. That As that wave comes up, you go... Just let it go because it's just and that brings your mind much more into the present because the more it builds up the more actually you feel that you can't cope the more you can't cope the more you're less likely to ask other people one of the lessons in life that I talk about in in my book is about you know, giving and receiving you know and asking for help 
you know, if you if you're not, I wasn't. I was terrible at asking help. I was doing everything myself. Sorting everything, everything myself. And actually, it was about asking people to support me, ask people to you know help help me with what what I needed, whether that was therapy, or whether that was things around the house. Because things started because my husband left, I wasn't able to do certain things in the house. I wasn't able to do certain things in my allotment. You know, because that then meant it, it got into a terrible mess, and that was cost me more money. And in the end, I had to give it up. You know, even though it was you know a pleasure place to, for me to go to, I couldn't yeah. I couldn't cope because I didn't have the money to, to pay for things. Because your money will be directly related to the negative emotion that's going on within you as well. It's not saying you can't have money when you've got negative emotion, but you'll find that it will impact you because your health is your wealth. And you know, if you looked at me on video. Um, you know, those years ago to now, I'm much more lighter and brighter. People can see it in me, energy-wise, whatever, because I have enlightened myself and unloaded all those negative emotions, and to support my, you know, my life and going forward. And I've also, you know, dedicated myself to support other people to really enjoy life again. The key thing is that what happens is when when somebody dies, off people get too busy. They become doing too many things. So they will do... So I threw myself into my work and was just like, work, 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 work. I'd work insane hours in my business to keep it going, trying to make money and still not making money, even though I was working insane hours as, as part of it. And often people will join uh, committees and they'll or they'll have several jobs at one time rather than dealing with how they feel. And actually the biggest advice I could give to somebody is really slow down. Yeah. to meditate to use things like balance procedure but also there's other therapies that also i empower people to reiki at the same time as balance procedure that's also fantastic because with reiki if you have reiki or you have the balance procedure you don't have to talk about it and often when it's happens you, you're just not ready to talk about what's happened or that person no. but the therapy can work on you without you needing to articulate anything you can just sit there and be supported with it yeah which is is really helpful and that's i think that's sort of a key key thing which then will allow your energy to to expand and to for you to feel better because it's also what you're when you've lost somebody and you've worked through it you're going into a new you a new identity you know i'd lost my identity in the past i had lots of health issues in the past as well i've had health wealth and happiness issues and you now when you lose your identity you have to grow a new identity about who you are. You know, you know, I've got a new identity about being in business. Yeah, but it's it's you're growing into who you are, and certainly, you know, a, a lot of people experience bereavement sitting you know, within their sort of menopause window, or for men, andropause, and that's all about the loss. That's all about the trauma you've not dealt dealt with in that new phase that you go into, and often it will it will come out when you're. Uh, living with your elderly parent you're suddenly having to do more for your parent and the, the relationship of child parent changes um as well i was chatting to a neighbor just yesterday saying oh my mom you know she's like she wanted all these she did to put a care package in place and the mum phoned up and dissed all the care package and got it all you know different i, I said yes it's the time for that trauma to come up why what are you going to change about it you know because it's it's she's an is she the only child no she's the only one in the uk so like she's finished and the other family members are not not local. They support support the mum who's you know lost her, but the father, so they're just you know they're trying to support her in what's what's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
from everything, what would you say has been the biggest lesson that you've that you've learned from the experience of your multiple losses? Slow down and not be scared to feel the emotions and, and apply techniques to change it. And know it's absolutely changeable how about how you feel. It's it might not feel that you can change it, but it's all about your personal growth. And you've got a choice. You've got a choice whether you choose, like I did, I could have killed myself, or I chose to actually serve and help others with what I've learned to help them, to to nurture them, to understand. And I, I know I'm here to save lives. And you know, I I know that the what I'm seeing even in the care role going, why do you do it this way? Gosh, this is a bit you know, it's time consuming or you know, the person didn't need to be in that state. I'm, I'm absolutely shocked. But it never occurred to me that, you know, there should be an assisted therapist alongside care. So, you know, I'm investigating how that can happen uh, for the future, for me and for other therapists. Because it, we're, we're living in a mad world, letting people suffer, whereas actually we don't need to. And a lot of it comes down to bereavement and that grief and not dealing with it quick enough. Whereas actually if an assisted therapist went in yeah. to support that person... They would, I'm not saying they wouldn't go through a grieving process or whatever, but they'd have a much easier time through the process. Yeah, they'd be supported through it. But we're not on success, as you know. No. It's been really interesting listening to you and touching on all those things about sort of good emotional hygiene and, and certainly that balance procedure. Yeah. You know, the cards sound like that sort of almost emotional first aid in your pocket that you could... Uh, you can carry around and they're, they're great they're great fun to use as well and then i didn't you yeah you know, i didn't use them properly when i first got them because i didn't really understand them mm. but now i understand them like, oh my we've got to get everybody using these yeah you know get people on the street narrow again yeah absolutely and, quickly. and if they could you know and if if we if they if everybody can deal with all this stuff as it comes up then you know that yes. saves a yeah. lot of heartache and distress perhaps absolutely. later on in, in life when the you know when those yeah things just keep on on happening as as life as life does depression it sits behind all illness and depression is just repressed emotions uh, you know the balance procedure will will help you shift it, all those emotions as well emotional freedom technique but that's when you're when you're speaking and doing the emotional thing i'm also trained in that too um you can re-traumatize yourself that's where the balance procedure wins because you don't have to talk about anything yes you're just yeah. working energy yeah Oh, thank you so much for your time in uh, explaining all that and thank you for sharing your experiences of loss, but also, you know, of how you've grown through that. And thank goodness that the choice that you made that day in the churchyard was was the one that you did, because you know we we can all then benefit from from what you've learned and and how you're taking that forward in the world. So. Thank you so much for for coming along and talking about it. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Liz, for sharing your experiences and wisdom about loss and the ways in which we might care for those suffering around us in a different, kind and caring way. If you'd like to find out more about Liz's work, you can find her on insightfulminds.co.uk. I'll put a link in the episode notes for you. Thank you to all those who support me in the production of this podcast, Jamie Farrell for the beautiful music, and of course you for listening. I so appreciate it. And if you've got a lesson you've learned from loss that you'd like to share, 
please do get in contact. This podcast couldn't exist without the stories and lessons to share. I'll be back soon with another lesson from Lost.